Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. From serving in the Air Force in the mental health arena to becoming a drum coach, Ed Francis shares his drumming journey as we laugh and swap stories around playing with drums. He shares his philosophy on the importance of creativity and trusting yourself to counteract that inner negative dialogue. Stay tuned to his inspiring story. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into a treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website, ShaySparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me on all the social media links that are there on the website, like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. And today, our guest is the amazing Ed Francis. Welcome to the show, Ed. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And Ed and I got connected through Scott Green from the Llama Lounge. So thanks, Scott, for introducing us. Scott's a great guy. I appreciate him reaching out to me. And it's great to be connected with you, too. And I have to say, as soon as I saw your profile and what you do, I was immediately enthralled because I used to be a drummer. No. Yes. <laughs> well, what, what kind of drumming did you do? Uh, when I was in middle school, I was in the drumming in a drummer in the in our you know school band. So it wasn't like sitting at the drum set and, and beating away. It was more like sitting at the snare drum and hitting the triangle and the wood block and the <laughs> the cowbell oh, and all cool. the things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Ed Francis is the drum coach of Round Rock Drums and also the founder of Rhythm Workshops. Rhythm Workshops is a nonprofit dedicated to bringing musical experiences into the community at no cost to the children, focusing on groups of people who have little access to making music. After years of marching in high school bands competing in the Junior Drum Corps, touring with the United States Air Force Worldwide Talent Contest, and performing in local bands, Ed decided to bring his passion for percussion into the heart of this community where he began teaching as a drum coach. Ed has never forgotten how music and drumming helped him work through the pain of growing up in an abusive and dysfunctional home environment. The scars may have run deep, but the power of having positive outlet helped build his self-confidence and slowly release the otherwise debilitating anxieties built up in the young man. While working with Rhythm Workshops, he relates his experiences to young people everywhere. And you can 
hear his deep personal story on the pages of being bullied to brilliant. I love that, by the way. What a great, what a great uh, title for a book. Oh, it's, a, it's an outstanding book by Karen Clark, and she really went in very deeply within herself and stories from other people to, to produce what she's produced. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, Ed, it is just a pleasure and an honor, and I can't wait to get dived in here. So we always start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Well, for me, it means for me to be who I am in front of other people, which tends to give them permission to be who they are. I found over my years of being a human being that if I'm trying to be something that I'm not, then other people tend to have the same kind of vibe with me. But if if I'm truly being the essence of who I am, as goofy as it can be, as lack of coolness as I might have within myself, it tends to open up a genuineness to other people. And you are so right. I mean, I just, before we were talking, you laughed and I was like, oh my gosh, I love your laugh, Ed. So hopefully it comes out today. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I just want to like talk about being a drum coach. So tell us why you are a drum coach rather than a drum teacher or drum professor, or, you know, what made you call yourself a drum coach? How is that different? Well, for me, what started off as drum teaching turned into drum coaching because I've learned a lot from people who have done things maybe that weren't necessarily a positive way or a good way around me. And what I have found is if I, as a teacher person or just as a human being, if I walk along with someone, if I assist someone through a process, that's much different than me saying, okay, I need you to do this. And if they do, I say, good job. And if they don't do a good job, I say, that's not right. Do it this way. Yeah. Or I can say, hey, let's try it this way. Let me walk along with you along this path. And let me help you get better by demonstrating how you can do this thing. You know, you hit the nail on the head. There are so many coaches, well, I'll call them coaches, that are out there saying there's only one way. You have to do it my way. You have to do it my method, right? And you are really allowing your students, are you calling them students or yes. clients? Okay. Uh, students, yeah. students. Okay. So you're allowing your students and anyone around you, because I can just tell that about you, to really think outside the box and get creative and have fun and just not sit still. Let go, loosen up, right? Yes. Be who you are. Don't, don't try to be anybody else because there's too many of everybody else in the world. So why even try to imitate anyone else? I love that. So I'm just curious because I'm thinking back to my own experience as a drummer. I'm just curious, like, so do you ever meet a, a, a student that is really timid in messing up, is really, is really scared to like go, oh, I, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. And oh, absolutely. All, all the time. In fact, one of the first things I like to do with students, especially when I first meet them, I tell them it's okay to make mistakes. And then I reinforce it by saying, you know what? I promise I will never, ever be mad at you for making a mistake. Because when you're making a mistake, that means you're doing something different. You're doing something outside of your comfort zone. And I'm proud of you for taking that risk. And if you're going to take that risk in front of me, my job is to support you and say, hey, good job. Let's tweak it out. Let's make it better. You're talking about making a mistake. Is there freedom in allowing students yourself to just 
let go and make music. And it doesn't matter what it sounds like, even if it's a beat or not on a beat. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and when you allow for that, that creativity or the exploration, it develops trust with one another. Yeah. And it also helps me to identify where their strengths are at mm-hmm. and where they need some encouragement. And it helps me be a better coach because I know more about who they are as a person and as a drummer. And when I allow them those opportunities to, to be who they are through their playing or just through their interacting with me, it solidifies the relationship that I get to have with them. And the better the relationship, the better the results. Mm, that's so true. And I love that you use the word exploration. I use that word as a way to step out of your comfort zone and just really like look around what's around the corner, right? As curious exploration. So do you find that people are nervous and unsure and maybe even have a little bit of anxiety around exploration? Definitely. And especially when they're doing it in front of someone who Mm -hmm. supposedly knows what they're doing. So like when, when I have a student in front of me, they're worried they're going to mess up or they're going to look like a fool in front of this guy that's been drumming for 45 years of his life. He's been teaching for 31 years and they're going to play in front of this dude. And then my job is to let them know that even I make mistakes and it's okay to, to mess up in front of me. And then so much freedom comes with all of that. Yeah, exactly. I think you're just hitting such a great lesson. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. So you'd mentioned how long you've been drumming. So how did you get started in drumming? My grandmother actually would set out the pots and the pans and here's, <laughs> here's the wooden spoons and go for it. So, well, my gosh, we have the same story. My, oh, that's funny. My, yeah, yeah. It wasn't my grandmother. It was my grandfather. Okay. He would get the pots and pans out, like, you know, but he wouldn't get the wooden spoons. He would get the metal spoons. Oh. Like that. We would be going crazy, me and my brother. And then my grandmother, oh, she didn't like it very much, but my grandfather let us do it anyway. But th- that, that was a beginning point for me. Yeah. And then also watching the Muppets on TV in oh the 1970s. God. Yes, and yes. Was my favorite dude. Yes. And I just loved his energy. And for some reason, I felt him calling me and I answered the phone. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I used to love Animal too, and it wasn't until I was adult adult that I realized he was high all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you like the ladies a little bit too much too. Probably. Right, right. Like it never like as a kid, I was like, oh, I want that energy. When he's playing, he is like fully committed on. Yes. And yes. I loved that about Animal. So that is so funny that we have <laughs> wait, we're kindred spirits, Ed. I love this. Definitely. So you started off with hitting on the pots and pans. And then what, where did you go from there? Did you, like, like I said, started in school or did your family go, you know, he's got some talent. Let's, let's dive in. And well, in him. there was an exploration to use that term again, where I suddenly went to play the clarinet for a number of years while I was still playing the drum. So I was in uh, the bands in, in middle school. I was in the bands in high school, I played drums and clarinet, marched in parades played concerts, self-practice, not all that much, but I, looking back, I probably could have done a lot more, but I was a kid and that's okay. And from there, I went into the drum corps type stuff, went in the military, got to play in the Air Force for a while, and then I got my own bands and uh, eventually decided to do my own thing and, and teach. Mm, that's awesome. I love that. So what kind of bands are you playing in? Or do well, you still play? No, 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 no. I don't play in any bands. Okay. Uh, 
The big thing for me, there was a transition about maybe 20 years ago where I realized that to be in a band, you had to have everyone in the band be as committed as you are for it to succeed. Uh, and without that mix happening, then, then I felt like I was wasting my time. So I decided, well, I can control me. I can control how I do things and where I go. And at that point, I decided to be the drum coach that I am. And I get to control my shows. I get to control what I play, where I play, how I play, and with whom I play. Yeah. And uh, it's very free. Ah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Do you think that there was a, gosh, so many things are running through me. Do you think that there was a, a defining moment that really had you go, okay, I really need to invest in becoming a drum coach as my career. You, you mentioned that you were in the Air Force. So I'm assuming yeah. at some point you got out of the Air Force and yeah. said, okay, I need to really focus on this. Or did you think, okay, you really need to go get a nine to five regular <laughs> job like everyone else? <laughs> well, I, I was in the Air Force for eight years. I was a mental health technician. I worked in substance abuse. I worked in alcohol rehab. I worked for a neuropsychologist doing neuropsych testing, all those things. And I learned a lot through that process of being a 17 year old all the way to 24, yeah. while I was in a band, while I was touring, while wow. I was working full-time in the Air Force. And I, I decided at that point, there, there were two shifts for me. The first one was the Air Force was good for me, but I realized it wasn't going to be my thing for the rest of my life. So I made the transition after two honorable enlistments. Uh-huh. And then my second transition happened probably uh, five, or ten, five, six years later. Uh, I decided, well, I'm, I'm working full-time as a general manager at restaurants. And I'm also teaching a ton of people at the same time. And I took a leap of faith and I said, you know what? I'm going to push this normal job away right. and I'm going to pursue this thing that I love to do. It seems to be going well. And I didn't know how it was going to work. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew that I could depend on myself and that people seemed to be responding really well to what I was putting out there. Mm, I love it. And I can only imagine that gratification of being able to go, my students are happy. So that makes me happy. Oh, gosh. Yes. And I'll give you an example of yes. my students are happy. So it makes me happy. Last week, I went to a performance where these, these high schoolers were doing like a, a singing, acting type thing. Mm-hmm. And one of my students, 16 years old, he went ahead. He was the drummer for the orchestra. And he played with the orchestra while he was picking up on cues from the singers and the actors. And I'm sitting there, I'm not even looking at the actors most of the time. I'm looking up at the balcony where my drumming student guy is over there and he's killing it and he's nailing every little thing and he's playing all week. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Uh, and you know what? That makes me so proud. Not because it reflects on me, because I know that that young person, he has that thing that I know he's going to take with him for the rest of his life. Oh, you bring tears to my eyes because I just love that. I love that passion in, in coaches, right? When it's really about seeing the other person succeed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So take us back to young Ed and you had mentioned about the being in the book from being bullied to brilliant. So what is an obstacle that you had got, overcome and the lessons that you learned from it? There's many obstacles I've overcome and there's a whole lot more I guess I'm still working on. But for me, there's a couple of pivotal ones. One was I was told by a significant person in my life who had control of me at one point. He told me that I was never going to be able to play the drums again. He told me I could not perform with the Toreadors Junior Drum Corps. 
And that sparked something inside of me. Mm -hmm. I used that term spark, see what mm -hmm. I did there? I did. Thank you. <laughs> it genuinely did spark something inside of me where I was very passive. I was in a dysfunctional environment, in a toxic type relationship with, with a certain parent. I finally stood up for myself and I told that person that he was not going to take away the one thing that gave me respite. The one mm. thing that provided me an outlet, the one thing that made me feel connected with other kids my age, the one thing that made me feel really, ah, the one thing that made me feel good about myself. Mm. And I walked out of that house and I never looked back. And you know what? I haven't stopped drumming since. Mm. <laughs> 51 years old, I still play the drums. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that probably may, may not have been an easy story to share. So thank you for sharing that. I just feel like uh, there's so many times that we have been told we can't do something for, and that's really the other person's fear showing up. It has nothing to do with us or our own ability. And you have proven that person wrong over and over again, every single day. Yeah, we, we call that projection when someone does that. And, and it's, it's good to note that kind of a thing, because I think all too often when people speak like that to us, we believe them. And yes. we don't have to believe them when they tell us stuff that's not true. No, we don't. And you mentioned that that was your respite. So how do you think music, drumming, and the word you use the word creati creativity, creativity is really great to lean into for stress relief. Sure. I mean, there's, there's an element, I use the word Zen. There's an element of removing myself away from my, my current circumstances. If there's bills to be paid, if I have to walk the dog, if I have to meet somebody for a meeting, when I'm in the moment of playing, being creative, doing a show, doing something I love to do, all of that disappears And even in the smallness of that moment or the tininess of experiencing that way of thinking, it opens up to a larger world that otherwise wouldn't be present had I not taken that little bit of time. Mm. Mm. For our listeners who are, you know, mostly veterans or even in the military now and small business owners, how important do you think tapping into their own creativity at any point in life is for their own, you know, self-care and well-being. How important do you think that is? And what do you suggest for them to, to start off with? Well, for me, I had to trust myself. That was the mm. first, the first lesson I had to learn was trusting myself that I could have a good idea. Now that doesn't mean all my ideas are great ideas. It just means that there is a possibility that I, Ed Francis can have a good idea. Yeah, And once I got past that and I allowed myself to experiment in the real world, then I could push things out there and what worked, I'd build on. And what didn't work, I'd tweak. And I'd try to do yes. that with myself. Yes. I'll give that to my students. I totally agree with you. There's something about trusting yourself that we take for granted. Like we just kind of assume that we're, we're going through life, making decisions, trusting ourselves. And yet we find that we're really not, we're really listening to those other 
um, voices that have been told you can't do something. And that is how we're basing our decisions rather than, you know, being able to tap into trust. Yes. And on the flip side of that, there are people around us who think they know what's best or what to do, and they'll tell us what we need to do. And we need to remind ourselves that, you know what, they might be wrong. (laughs) They might be right, but they might be wrong too. Right. Yeah. So because of your background in the mental health in the Air Force, do you find that most of your students have some sort of like inner negative self-talk that they're that are stopping them? Oh, absolutely. In fact, sometimes when I'm working with kids or adults, I I see this this dialogue. I don't hear it, but I can sense it because I've been doing this for a while. I can sense a dialogue going on in their head. And what I try to do is I try to reflect back to them what I'm sensing. And then I try to take that thing that I've sensed and help them pull it out of the hole, you know, pull it out of the abyss that they've created for themselves and then give them some kind of platform to stand on so they can begin to trust themselves through that process too. Is there any advice that you would give to someone who's really just listening and, you know, isn't your students to figure out how to trust themselves more? Well, the first thing I would say is to put yourself out there, you know, go out there, be okay with making a mistake. If you go out there expecting that you're going to do everything just right, you're going to be disappointed. If you go out there and you're, you're, you're kind to yourself, mm-hmm. and you, and you know, this is the thing. See, I, I, another thing I've learned is that I've learned how to treat myself like I would like to treat someone else kindly. Mm-hmm. If I make a mistake, I'm like, hey, that's okay. Uh, we'll do it that way next time. Right. Or I'll be sarcastic with myself. Oh, that was really great, Ed. Don't do that again. But <laughs> I, I, I try to change the dialogue within myself. And in, in that process, I also try to attempt to change the dialogue with other people. But to get back to your question, the advice I would give is to be kind to yourself when putting yourself out there. Mm, I love that. And uh, speaking of putting yourself out there, I bought new drumsticks. <laughs> And they're green. And they're green, yes. I love green. It's one of my favorite colors. So Me what are you too. doing with those things? So funny story. I had seen this pop up years ago and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I think I need to I think I need to buy that. And it's called Pound Fit. So it is actually a drumming workout. I think I've seen that. Is that where they pound on these ball things or something? And they just kind uh, yeah. of go Yep. Yep. They pound on the floor. They pound on the balls. They pound on anything and everything. As you <laughs> know, that's what we do as drummers anyway, right? <laughs> and and I have not had drumsticks in my hand since I was probably maybe 15. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Right. And so be, because I work with my hands as a hairstylist, I always have something in my hands, whether it's comb and, you know, scissors, whatever. So I love that. And so I, I bought them and then I, Scott was, had introduced us and I was like, okay, this is an alignment. This is what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I can't wait to show Ed my drumsticks. And the fact that you love green too, that's awesome. I love green. And I'm glad that you were, you were sticking with it when you wanted to meet me. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) You know, it's funny. What's it's not funny. It's ironic and alignment and everything else is, you know, really back to what you said is that it's okay to be, to make a mistake. It's you being kind to yourself as you're making that mistake. And I remember when I got these, I was like pitting them. And I'm like, 
God, I haven't, I don't even know how to hit a beat anymore. (laughs) And I was like, who cares? This is fun. Like this is just getting out there. And, you know, I remember as a, as a young drummer, because it was so structured of, you know, in band and this is how you do it and blah, 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 blah. That when there was a time she actually had allowed me, and I, it was a short time frame to go crazy on the drum set during a jazz concert. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I was so fearful, like, I'm going to mess up. I don't know how to do that. But one of my uh, upperclassmen, he was a senior at the time, he's amazing. And I always just attributed attributed such like awe whenever I was around him and would watch him play. And I'm like, how can I have that freedom of abandonment and just go to town? So I just love that he did that. And I know that you have that. So what is that, that freedom to just go and make a mistake? Do you hear the beat in your head before, or do you just go and you're like, oh, there's the beat, and then you go? Well, it it depends on the moment. Sometimes it's just inspired from within. Sometimes there'll be something I'm looking at, or maybe I'm hearing a guitar player or someone on a different instrument doing something which inspires me to, to be creative and do something different that I would have otherwise never thought about doing before. But, but here's the thing for me with creativity yeah. is that, you know, I think oftentimes teachers like to confine people into boxes. Yes. They like to keep them in cages. And when you teach someone in that box, you teach someone in that cage, all they know is the box. All they know is the cage. But if you allow them the freedom to, to fly a little bit farther than that cage or to give them a bigger box, then suddenly they feel more comfortable to express themselves. And I think what happened for you, you were taught, like you were saying, you were taught these structured things that yes. had to be done a certain way. And then when they were saying, okay, now solo, you're going, huh? I don't know what to do because you never allowed me to do that before. And now you want me to do this in front of all these people. You're crazy. Right. Your energy is just so amazing. The passion just exudes from you. I love it. Well, you're talking about something I like a lot. I know, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, I think that's crucial to really finding your purpose, right? Is getting really passionate, whatever it is, is finding that thing that you're passionate about. Oh, gosh. I mean, it would be so easy to fall into the trap. And I almost fell into it a couple of times. Yeah. We're falling into a trap. Well, this is what's known. This is the path that everyone's kind of going on. This will guarantee maybe not success, but you'll do well and you'll, your life will be pretty even keel and just go that way. Or you know, let's, let's try this new way that I'm feeling comfortable about, not just because it's a different way, but because it's my way that I feel is going to work for me. Mm. And you did that not only as a drumming coach, but you started a nonprofit as well. So tell us about that. Well, Rhythm Workshops, the, the mission statement for Rhythm Workshops is to empower at-risk kids using the magic of music. And oh, really, I love that. Thanks. And it's not even about music. It's not even about drumming. That's the facade. That, that, that's yeah. the outer skin of what we do. What we do is we connect with kids. We, we, we try to empower them. We try to help them. We focus on Title I schools. We work with the kids who are not very communicative verbally, mm. uh, the kids who maybe aren't having a great time in their home environment. We try to provide them with an outlet through hitting stuff. We try to provide them with the means to feel good about themselves by being able to accomplish complex rhythms together on buckets at the same time with other kids in front of lots of other kids that are watching them play and they're smiling because they know 
they're doing a good job. So and are you teaching them to kind of freestyle like we've been talking about using their creativity or are you teaching them a structured song in order to play? That's part of the process. The, the process is more important than what's produced for me. The, the what's produced part is very small. It's very short and it's very simple and the kids can do that. The process that I go through is I let them go crazy. We have moments where I say, just go nuts. And they just scream and they're banging and I'm banging too. We're having fun. And I get it out of the way because one, it helps them. Yeah. And number two, and more importantly, it helps me. Because I get to teach them better because they get some of that energy out. Yes. And then that focus comes in because they've been allowed to be that way for a little bit. Right. And then on top of that, I get to listen to those kids, which I don't think many kids get listened to. I so and, agree. And, and in that process, I get to hear all these ideas. And some of the ideas are good and some of them aren't, but I take the ideas that are good and then I transition what my expectations are for the production mm. based on their creative ideas. So they get to be part of the process as well. And do you go around the country to do this or just strictly in your neighborhood? Our district. I, I go to a couple of schools. I, I go to festivals and things. And I do a lot of that. I, and, and the best part is I get to take my students with me and those kind of kids get to see what focused time doing drumming can produce and it inspires them and whether they do something with drumming or not that's not the focus it's that they've they've had a positive experience while hanging out with me you know and uh, truthfully i feel like it's just building self-confidence right in them and you know helping them go well i can do that oh absolutely and if, if they can see another kid do well it it gives them the message that that they can do that too and think about this we're not getting any younger. We're getting older, right? And those kids, they're not going to be kids forever. They're going to be the adults. And they're going to be the, the human beings that are going to take care of us as we get older. And I keep thinking to myself, what kind of people do I want to surround myself with when mm. I'm older? And I want to help produce the best quality human beings I possibly can, can be part of. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Do they play on drums? Do they play on other instruments? Do they play the maracas, the tambourine? I always say I'm an expert tambourine player. <laughs> for, for our purposes for rhythm workshops, we use buckets, the, the five-gallon buckets. buckets and Love sticks. it. Yeah. But we'll also let each kid gets to go with uh, Chief Jim. He's the chief of police here in uh, town in Round Rock. And he also works with the kids and he'll take them aside one at a time and work on drum set stuff while I work with the big group. And so each kid gets a chance a couple of times throughout the sessions to work on a real drum set. Then at the end, we select one kid to play on the drums with my drummers from Brown Rock Drums. And all the other kids get on buckets and we play in unison and they get to bang the heck out of those things. And do they get drumsticks? Yes, and they get to keep the drumsticks Aww. at the end of the semester. They get to take them home with them. Yes. And what ages are these kids? I want to say between 8 and 10 or 11 is the, the primary age group that I work with with the nonprofit. Got it. So, you know, school-age children. Definitely. Okay. Fourth, fifth grade-ish. So when you are, as a drum coach, are you working with mostly school-age children or, you know, pe- people who are wanting to start a rock band or do you have <laughs> even adults, even adults who are like, you know, I've always wanted to drum, you know, yes, who are you working everything with? Everything you just said, I, I start okay. usually no earlier than six years old, sometimes five and a half, if they truly are a kid that would benefit from me being with them all the way up to death. You know, I don't want to teach <laughs> wow. after that. I could get a little messy. 
the whole spectrum I get to work with. And but I got to say, you know, I enjoy working with the adults, and it is fun, especially when I get a couple, a married couple. I have a couple of those. Oh, and it's awesome! Great to work on. Yeah, it's like working on their relationship. I'm not a counselor therapist, dude, but I get to help the guy listen to the to his wife more when she's playing and she listens to her husband as he leads and she leads certain parts. And it's like this beautiful relationship thing, but okay, I digress. But no, I it's beautiful. It, 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 yeah, it is. In fact, it's really cool when they smile and these, these adults who are married, thank me because they're having so much fun together. Mm. And that inspires me in my, in my life. But the kids are so much fun to work with because they allow me to be a kid they help keep me young and they give me ideas that I wouldn't have thought of. So that keeps my reservoir of ideas fresh. So do you have a particular student that has, you know, maybe gone on to start a rock band or any band or, you know, they're doing this um, continuously after they've left your care? There's one in particular I'll talk about. His name is Aiden. He two times so far, maybe three, I can't remember. He was one of Texas's Young Composer Award winners here in Texas. He actually composed a full orchestral piece wow. that he had written where you, know, you have tons of lines. Like you, yeah. you get the flutes, you got, you got the horns, you got the violins, you've got drumming and stuff. And he wrote it all out. And then out of hundreds of kids that would put in their stuff, he was one of three that were selected. And then the Austin Symphony actually played his music. And I got to attend twice. And I'm getting goosebumps again. I yeah. get to sit there and watch my student up there with his parents and listen to a piece that he wrote that I got to hear during the process of him writing it. And then just to feel so good that he's doing something with it. Now he's in college. This was back in high school. Now yeah. he's in college. He's wow, that writing. was in high school? A high yeah. school kid wrote an yeah. orchestra. Wow. Yeah. Just, it's just, and it wasn't me. It was him. It was all him. I just got to be a little small part of his world that got to encourage him in a certain way. And he's doing stuff because he he's doing it. Oh, that brings tears to my eye. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And so did you, wow, I'm just thinking. So, you know, we're talking about, we have drumsticks and beating on buckets. And now you're talking about composing a symphony. So as a percussionist, because that's technically what we are called, not just a dr- little drummer boy, right? <laughs> not just a little drummer boy, it's percussionist. <laughs> Have you found that there are such an array of instruments in the percussion world that you have a different creativity. Cause I know you said you started out with clarinet. You have a different ear for music. You have a different creativity than maybe someone who just is beating on the bucket and the drumstick. Well, first I'll point out that, you know, most drummers just consider themselves a drum set drummer when they play on a drum set. Right. But really the drum set is many instruments put together. It used to be called a trap set. And yep. before it was a trap set, it was, it was called a contraption. And it was called a contraption because they had all these different things you know, from China, from India, from America that they put together to make this contraption, a trap set, a drum set. Yeah. So when I'm playing on the drum set, I mean, my left foot is doing something and it does things differently. It splashes it open. The yep. right foot's doing the bass drum while that's happening. And my hands are diddling or just hitting straight quarter notes. Yep. And my mind is trying to fuse my four limbs to compose this, this rhythm, just the drums or just a bucket. And then you take that concept of all these multi-layered things happening simultaneously 
And then you, you break them off into, well, the flutes, we want to have not only these notes being played, but what kind of rhythmic pattern do you want mm. here? And then when you're having the horns come in, what kind of weaving do you want to happen in between that makes the web even more beautifully put together than just everything playing the same thing at the same time? We alter things slightly so that there's this, this composition of things happening that's pleasing to the ear and not a wall of sound. Yeah, you definitely have a creative mind <laughs> to be able to 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 be able to align all of that together into a piece that is a creativity that some people don't have. However, I will also say about what you just said about the drum set, trap set, that's what we called it when I was doing it, is there is something totally, I don't even know what the word is, completely different than you've ever done with each limb doing a different job right? Because that's essentially what it's doing. And it's doing it at a different time, a different space. And you're trying to just let it go and feel it. And for me, that was the thing that I find, I still find myself doing, even if I'm driving, I am tapping my feet <laughs> in different ways. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> but it's, it's just so autumn because I'm hearing it. I hear the music as I'm driving or whatever. And, you know, so, you know, if you are driving next to me and you're at a stoplight and you see me pounding on my um, <laughs> steering wheel, it's probably because Phil Collins um, in the air tonight is on. <laughs> and, and for those listeners out there, people watching and listening to this stuff, if you haven't tried it at home, don't first try it while you're driving because it could go horribly bad. <laughs> very, very true. So with that said, is there a song that really inspires you to like, oh my God, I got to like beat this out in the air, wherever you are, whether it's uh, without drumsticks in your hand? Oh God, well, my, my favorite song is Limelight from Rush. And every time that, that comes on, I mean, it's got to be turned up in my vehicle. And it's funny, you know, uh, people will say, you know, I notice you're tapping your fingers or your, your feet. And oftentimes I won't even realize that I'm doing it like you say. Yep. It's just part of who we are. It just it just comes out. In fact, okay, goofy story with this band up being used against me one day. But I'll say it anyway. Yep. There's times like I'll, I'll wear my headphones to the gym and I won't have my music on. And I'll be going to the gym to go work out. And I'll be thinking about songs before I even turn on the stuff. And I'll do my whole workout. And I realized I never turned on my, my, my songs on my phone wow. because I had this dialogue in my head of music. I was enjoying the music in my head as if I could actually hear it. And it's just part of who I am. I love it. Yeah, I'm also, I also grew up taking dance. So I kind of, you know, have a flow with what music feels like. And a few years ago, I was on a, a Zoom call, believe it or not. And we were at a, con oh, I guess it was last year. Gosh. It all runs together. <laughs> I was on a Zoom call last year with this conference and we were getting ready to start and I'm dancing and people are watching me dance in my little wind, my little box. Right. And they're like, what are you listening to? I'm like, I'm just dancing to the beat of my own heart. Which Because, <laughs> you know, I think well, you it's that. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Finish, finish your thought. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. Well, if Thank you for letting me interrupt you. I think most people have five senses, right? And then not many of us have that sixth sense. And I call that the sense of humor, right? And I appreciate that you have that sixth sense going. So that's pretty cool. See, this is why I did, I did, I let you interrupt me. Of course, interrupt me because that it was way important. You're absolutely right. We have to have that <laughs> sense of humor. And, and, you know, truthfully, let's talk about that. Like how 
freeing is it to laugh at yourself? Gosh, it's like the best medicine in the world. You know, when I do mistakes at home by myself, laughing at myself, it, it relaxes me. If I do something incorrectly in front of my students and I laugh, they laugh too, and they get to laugh at me, and I get to laugh at me, and the parents get to laugh at me, and we all get to laugh together, and it's just a fun, wonderful experience. And the, the more I've gotten comfortable with myself, the more I don't mind people laughing at me. In fact, it's uh, kind of freeing, actually. Yeah, it's, yes, it is freeing. It is freeing to have people laugh at you. I took improv for a year and there is something just so like amazing to get that feedback of laughter. Like, yep, I, I I made an ass of myself again. Yes. Great job. (laughs) So gosh, we've just talked about so many different things. I just love your energy, Ed. And I know that you're just creating such a huge impact in this world. How can, first of all, how can people help you with your, your nonprofit? What is it that you're looking for? Well, I mean, obviously money does help because we're able to purchase things like buckets and sticks for the kids and other things. But outside of that, if you have any gently used items that you'd like to donate, whether they be sticks, buckets, drums, cymbals, shakers, anything that someone could hit to make a noise, we'd love to get that kind of stuff. And if you have stuff that needs to be fixed that are drum related, I've gotten pretty good over the years at fixing things. So if people out there listening have stuff that they think is falling apart, but I could probably fix and the kids could use it, we'd love to get that too. And where can people connect with you? Do you have a website, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook? uh, Go to roundrockdrums.com and they can visit our website, the Rhythm Workshops. It has its own page on that website, so you can reach us from there too. And then you can also go to Facebook. There's a Round Rock Drums Facebook page and there's a Rhythm Workshops Facebook page as well. Awesome. And are you uh, on social media at all? Yes, Ed Francis. You'll find me under Master Drum Coach. And my favorite quote underneath there, it says, my lack of coolness has become my coolness. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Oh, Ed, this has just been a joy and so much fun. And, you know, time flies when you're having fun and it has just flown by. Yeah. And obviously we could talk for hours because this was just such a great conversation. And I always like to leave. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks thank for you. Having me. And thank you for what you're doing in this world. You're, you're making music beautiful. Thanks. And the impact that you're having is life lasting. You know, you're really creating a space for life lasting impact on these, on anyone. I can tell you just from listening to us today, you've, you've impacted my life. Thanks. So before we go, we always like to wrap up with the last question of what what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? My biggest one is from Joseph Campbell. He (laughs) says, follow your bliss. There's so many other ones too, but follow your bliss. Follow what makes you happy. And I just love that. I love Joseph Campbell. And you are doing that. You're an example of what bliss looks like. So thank you, Ed. Thanks for having me, Sean. 
Thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. If you've enjoyed this episode, because I've known you did, and I know you're probably beating on your car right now as you're listening to it, (laughs) we invite you to go over to Apple Podcast and give us a five-star review. Until next time, let's get fired up. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.